Welcome everyone to the another uh, wrestling segment of the Tommy Knuckles Show, episode two. Um, I figure I'm just going to give you guys like a brief uh, intro to wrestling, some of the terms and whatnot. Uh, some people that maybe listen to the other segments might not know anything about wrestling, so I figure I'll give you like a basic rundown. Um, as I said in my other, my intro. Wrestling has been a part of my life since I was a small child. I said, will be until I'm like 91. I'm like, wow, Hulk Hogan the fourth is a really good wrestler. Um, but I figure I'll give you an intro to some, and I'll also uh, talk about my Mount Rushmore uh, professional wrestlers. Uh, you know, they do that with sporting sporting people too, so I figured that's been good. And after you guys listen, if you want to comment on the Facebook page, you know, just say, hey, what you think uh, you're wrestling Mount Rushmore for. Maybe you agree with me. Maybe if you don't. So, um, so most wrestling matches are what they call the baby face versus the heel. And they shorten baby face to face. Uh, obviously, baby face is the good guy. The heel is the bad guy. Um, they've been doing that since uh, the beginning of wrestling. You know, obviously, like, the, the baby face of the face is everyone in the crowd cheers for it. And they're like, yeah, that's my guy. Da, 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 da. I mean, sometimes you have people cheering for the heel or the bad guy. Um, but for the majority of the time, that's kind of how the matches go. Um, <clears throat> they call booking the match, which is what they, when they kind of choreograph and figure out who's going to win. Um, most time of the times when wrestlers start programs, you know, they have it planned out ahead of time, like for a couple months, as we know, it's not fake, it's just scripted, because uh, if I, trust me, if I take a steel chair and hit you with it, no matter how much you try not to hurt someone, that hurts, um, that's why they go through all the training, so they don't, when they fall down, or, you know, when they could do the moves, that they don't, you know, break each other's necks, which, you know, has happened before, uh, but that's usually what they determine, you know, who's going to be the, the baby face who's going to be the heel uh there's another another set of terms they have it's called work or shoot a work is something that's planned ahead of time you know like whatever if you ever watched the episode of monday night raw maybe they meet somewhere in public at a bar at a grocery store and you know they kind of plan out well okay you know i'm gonna throw you into the apples and then you're gonna hit me with a with a pale onions or whatever the case may be uh one of my favorite ones was uh, when Stone Cold Steve Austin met Booker T at a grocery store, and they went through you know, this whole match, like trying to beat each other up at the grocery store. Stone Cold was hiding like in a, one of those little side cores where they keep the beer, and he, Booker T's looking around like all worried, and Stone Cold pops out, and eventually Stone Cold gets the advantage, and then he ends up taking him to the cash out register. And, throws him on the on the belt and slides him through and then of course they have it make a beep beep sound he's like price check on jackass um that was one of the funnier segments ever and uh the apa one time was at a local bar and they ended up trashing the whole bar of course you know breaking beer bottles on people and whatnot uh then they have a shoot which exactly what it kind of means a shoot from the hip where you know, they might have a basic idea of what happens, but the majority of the people around don't know what's going to happen. That's why I call it a shoot, so it's shooting from the hip. You know, uh, one of the more famous, what they believe was a shoot segment was in WCW when uh, Jeff Jarrett had got the heavyweight title. Um, Hogan always had, usually had a creative control mat uh, clause in his contract 
where he could assume creative control when he wanted to. He could say, hey, I want to win the title. Um, and they would do that. And Jeff Jarrett just went up, and went, up, went up and just laid down in the ring. And Hogan put his foot on him. The rough count of three. And then, of course, when Russo came out and called Hogan a piece of shit. And you want your title, there is it. And then he was like, oh, you piece of shit. This is why this company sucks. And then he walked out of the ring. And that's when Booker T actually won his first world title with him and Jeff Jarrett going at it. Um, they've always said, and he filed a lawsuit saying, oh, you're just prejudiced against me because I'm an older guy. Uh, they never really came out and said that that was a shoot, but I'm pretty sure that was a shoot just from the, like the more, sometimes you can tell the more natural reactions from the guys. Um, another term used a lot in professional wrestling is called getting over. Um, getting over actually has several meetings, like when they say you're getting over or putting someone over, that would mean like, hey, I'm going to lose to this guy. Like maybe if you're an older, you know, older wrestler in the older stage and you have a younger wrestler you're wrestling, you know, they'll let them win. It's called, well, I'll let them get over with the crowd and get them over with the crowd so the crowd is actually involved. And, you know, whether it be cheers or boos, uh, gets them over and, you know, you know. This kind of is our way of showing respect for, they say, call it showing respect for the business where, okay, I'm going to lose. This guy's going to get over and win. And that way, you know, it's kind of letting uh, another wrestler get some shine or <clears throat> get uh, get over to the same. Uh, another term they use being over with the crowd just means that the crowd cares, whether it's good or bad. Um, the worst thing that a crowd can do is just not react at all to you and kind of be like, oh, um, let me go get some popcorn. Um, being over with the crowd usually means they're either going to cheer you really loud or boo you really loud. That's the ultimate goal of wrestlers. Sometimes I'll see people, oh man, that guy sucks. I hate that guy. Just boo him every time he comes. Well, and he's doing his job. That's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to, if he's a bad guy, he's supposed to make you uh, yell at him. And obviously that thus making you cheer for the for the face, or the baby face. Um, another term they use is called turning. Which you can turn either heel or babyface, um, which means you know if you're a bad guy, then all of a sudden maybe they they will book or control how the matches go to you know change the angle on how people are perceiving your character. You know all of a sudden you know maybe if you're a bad guy and oh hey, someone's in trouble, you go down and help them out in the ring. You know and they might shake hands or something like that with another good guy, and they kind of you know trying to tr- trying to change the way that people perceive the character and. Vice versa, same thing. Maybe you're a good guy for a while, and then you know you turn on somebody like, oh hey, he came and helped the guy. They ends up beating that guy up, and they're like, hey, why'd you, you know, why'd you turn on him? Why'd you beat him up? And then they usually come with more um, what you would call heel character things. You know, of course, oh I did it. I just did it for the money. You know, screw the kids, screw all the fans. I don't like you guys. You all suck. You know, typical things like that. Yeah. I feel it's easier a lot of times to be the heel because um, a lot of times maybe your natural character isn't something that people might want to like or cheer or get behind. Um, but as a as a heel, it's pretty easy, you know, to just come out, act like an asshole, uh, tell everyone they're fat, lazy, or stupid. You know, your wife's ugly. You know, you're fat. You guys are all a bunch of losers. You know, and then of course, obviously, the crowd's gonna be like, "Boo! This guy's an asshole." Um, being a baby face sometimes it's a lot harder because you gotta find a way to get your character over with the crowd that they want to cheer you and the uh, the good ones the good they say most good wrestlers will tell you like someone like a Hogan or Austin or The Rock 
when they're really over with the people, it's usually, it's just their personality turned up to like a 10 or 12, you know, because obviously in, in the real world, you don't go out and, you know, telling people like, using your catchphrases, like, you, you wouldn't be talking to someone in the grocery store, like, if you smell what the rock is cooking, um, but, you know, wrestlers love their, uh, catchphrases, uh, you know, you have Austin, you know, Austin 316, I just whipped your ass, uh, <clears throat> Hogan's catchphrase is always, what you gonna do, brother, uh, you know, he had the, ma- the Macho Man, it was always like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna use those working into their characters, because that's kind of like their signature talk about, um, there's actually a thing in acting class, uh, I've had, uh, when I went to Mercer, so I had a couple, and they call it, uh, when you're trying to develop a character for like a movie role for movies or you know on stage uh it's called a pg or a parenthetical gesture which some characters maybe you know when the guy gets nervous the person is always like flipping their hair or you know tugging on their ear or whatever it's just something you work into the character where it's a you know someone who's had a good acting class will know like or like i said with wrestlers it can be a catchphrase um that's the most common way they do it, you know, like I said, Stone Cold, if you smell what the rock's cooking, uh, Hogan had the what you gotta do, uh, if you watch any, any kind of wrestling, like, John Cena is always like, you can't see me, which I always hated, it's like, I can see you, you know, that might have been a cool slang phrase for like 10 minutes, but, they, uh, it just, I don't know, it just always annoyed me when he did that, because like, can, can't you come up with something else, and that's key in a wrestling business, you want to stay fresh, you, know, you don't want your character to get stale, which is kind of what happened to Hulk Hogan. You know, he was the biggest baby face, current baby face of all, you know, at that time. And when he started out in the 80s, you know, okay, you could say, you know, I'm a good guy. So I'm going to say, you know, train, you know, work out, say your prayers, you know, eat your vitamins. And that kind of got over well with the crowds. But then once you're getting more towards the 90s, you know, it was more of a, what you call would call like an anti-hero establishment type characters that were getting over like Stone Cold, originally The Rock because he was a heel uh, for a little while. Well, he's been healed multiple times, but you know when he first started getting over big with the crowd and they were booing him, he was with the Nation of Domination. Um, but he, uh, but yeah, he was the you know that that just wore thin with people. But man, I want to hear about, especially like me, you know, when you're a teenager and a younger kid, like, and I was a big Hulkamaniac, like, oh yeah, man, I'm going to you know, get the 24-inch pythons and work out and say my prayers and be, you know, be good. But then once you start hitting your 20s, you're like, man, you've been doing here and that for like eight years. Like, man, that shit just gets old. And everyone knows uh, the biggest heel turn in the business, my opinion, of all time and probably will never be matched, uh, was when Hulk Hogan formed the NWO with the Outsiders because no one... Like, 90% of people did not know when Hogan came down to the ring that night that he uh, he was going to turn heel and pretty much after, you know, 15 years of telling everyone to train, prune, and eat their vitamins, he's going to say, he pretty much, he said, stick it, screw you guys, I did it for the money, all the stuff I did for the kids, you know, you guys all suck, you didn't you didn't properly root for me and, and bow to me, you know, when I, when I came here, so now pretty much I'm just going to take over with uh, the Outsiders Hall and Nash and just beat everybody up you know probably one of the greatest character transformations of all time that's why um hogan's always been my favorite wrestler but you know when i was in my 20s like oh yeah he's coming down and wearing black and white and beating the hell everybody and just you know hitting him with a bat or whatever put him through a table and they'd spray paint nwo on the back new world order um i don't know it was just kind of cool and 
you definitely cut your promo, which the promos are, you know, you know, this guy's facing this guy, and they go and you know they throw their catchphrases and they say, well, I'm going to beat him because of this. And um, mic skills weren't as important early back in the '80s, but started more toward the late '80s, early '90s, and mic skills were like were the most important thing because that's kind of how you get everyone hyped up for the match. Obviously, just come out as like, hey, I'm going to win. And that's what you said. Like, people would be bored and tune you out and be like, whatever, dude, you stink. Um, you know, like I said, Hogan has, uh, you know, Hogan was like, what you going to do? And, his, and he just changed it and said, what you going to do when the NWO, you know, beats the hell out of you? Um, when I had my thoughts to be a professional wrestler, I came up with some catchphrases. Uh, when I was getting ready for the audition, I thought, okay, like, I had the two characters idea, which is that's where the Tommy Knuckles kind of comes from. I had a good guy character, which some people in the PWR wrestling, uh, it's a local wrestling thing here they do with the soccer club, knew me as as Tommy two times, which I was, um, I'm old now, so wrestling would be out of it, but, you know, who knows, maybe being a manager. Uh, Tommy two times was, was like the good guy character, and <clears throat> one of the little nicknames, which a lot of wrestlers do develop, uh, like when they said the immortal Hulk Hogan, um, Rocky's the people's champ, Triple H was the cerebral assassin, Tommy Two Times was the Sultan of Smack Talk. When I was going back and forth with the PWR commissioner on Facebook, um, a lot of people thought that I had, that was pretty funny, uh, with what I respond to what he would say, because he's playing the heel commissioner, he'd be like, oh, you guys are all a bunch of dumbass, eerieites, blah, 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 and then I'd come up with, a. One of the funny things I said to him, because he was saying, I'm smarter than you. I was like, dude, no, you're not. I was like, there's no way you can match my cerebral circumference. You know, just funny things like that. Um, and then the bad guy character came up with was Tommy Knuckles, a.k.a. the Brutal Brainiac. Uh, he's like the bad guy. So, you know, he's just like a tough guy, like New York type character, you know, like Goodfellas. But he's not just a tough guy. He's like super smart. And so that's why I came up with the Brutal Brainiac. Uh, I don't know. Whenever I do stuff, I like to use alliteration. Not sure why. Um, I just feel like it works. When you rhyme it like that, it's a little better, for easier for people to remember. And the more people remember and care about you, obviously, the better. Um, but the funny thing is I was doing with these two characters is that uh, they're twin brothers. So you got the good guy, Tommy Two Times, and oh, don't make me switch personalities and become Tommy Knuckles, the Brutal Brainiac. But I was like, I think I was almost 19. Uh, I think we, t- somebody, a friend of mine drove me out to the, I think it was in the Comb Field House. They had a ring set up. But we learned how to run the ropes, uh, take a chair shot. And then they wanted us to do a promo. So the guy's like, all right, you're facing this guy. Go. And the catchphrases that I came up with were, uh, the reason why I'm better than you is because I'm stacked, packed, and genetically jacked. Another one, which kind of a phrase of the 80s, like, are you picking up what I'm putting down? And the last one was, uh, you would say it at the end of your promo, like, as in the reason why, you know, I'm going to, you know, beat your ass, blah, 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 and all I need, and you say it slow, so hopefully the crowd would say it along with you, you know, crowds love to, crowds and people love to participate, you got involved, and I was like, all I need is five good minutes and you would say it so like that so hopefully they um hopefully they follow along with you and 
like I said, the crowd involvement is key. The more you can involve the crowd, the better, because obviously the more involved and the more, more involved and interested in how much they like your character, you know, will improve your response. I actually got a couple fans of PWR just from going to the events and then uh, talking smack with the, with the commissioner on Facebook. Shout out to Alexander. He's one of the people. Uh, Alexander Ulrich, he's one of the, the fans that goes there and, you know, he thought I did some good work. Uh, but, okay, so now let's talk um, Mount Rushmore. My, route, my, route, my Mount Rushmore of wrestling is uh, is Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, The Rock, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. No, in no particular order, though, obviously, Hulk Hogan would probably always be my first because he was, like, the first guy I was really super interested in. Um, you know, you might agree or disagree. Uh, Hogan was, like, the first guy, like, came along, and, you know, he was the first superhero type characters is like oh you know he always he, even if he got taken advantage of or it was you know in the beginning of a of a program with with like with a guy who was you know who was a heel you know like you know, with king kong bundy from forest money too okay they, they beat him up they got him in a corner splashes and supposedly you know broke his ribs uh at the end at the last match at wrestlemania 2 of course he gets over and ends up winning you know good guys always got to win the fight at the end back especially back in those days um, and then that's one of the the key things with him is that he's had he had one of the best fi- uh, face or baby face runs and one of the best heels heel runs when he became Hollywood Hulk Hogan, um, which was his heel character. And like I said, Bash at the Beach when he came down to that ring, most people did not know that he was going to be the third guy and, and turn and everyone say, "Well, I told you to eat your prayers and say your vitamins." And now I'm telling you, screw you. You guys didn't cheer for me enough, and I just did it for the money and. You know, you guys all stink. Um, and I remember, especially being in my mid-20s, it was just cool because the NWO would come down the ring. Even if it was like they'd have three guys and like ten guys in the ring, they'd end up beating them all up. And somehow, you know, Hogan would win. And the whole, you know, they would spray paint NWO on, on, on the guys after they were beat up and like laid out. That was cool. Um, and, you know, Ric Flair, obviously, one of the best... Uh, performers ever really good with you know with crowd reactions whether he was the good guy or the or the or the uh, the heel uh, you know of course a lot of people they might not even know why but like when someone he had the flare chop so when he would chop someone in the chest they go woo because that was just that was his parenthetical gesture he, that was even a catchphrase I know it's not really a phrase he always just be like woo 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 it's just I don't know it's just fun to woo I guess um, and even though like at times I wasn't you know, my younger days wasn't a huge Ric Flair fan, especially in the Full Horseman, because, I mean, I guess it was similar to the NWO, so maybe just because I was a big Hogan fan, it wasn't something I was like, you know, he'd always end up winning because one of the horsemen, of course, would come out, and, you know, even even though the dude was kicking his butt, you know, one of the two, one or two or all four of the horsemen, three three or four other horsemen would come out and help, help him out, and then he'd end up winning, and just like, oh, all he ever does is cheat to win, but, like he says, that's why Ric Flair was the dirtiest player in the game. Um... Yeah, he was he was very good on the mic. It's funny though how sometimes people look at different characters or different wrestlers. Like they always said, oh, Hogan wasn't a real wrestler. You know, didn't wrestle well. He only had a couple moves, um, like John Cena and the five moves of Doom. Uh, Ric Flair doesn't have that many moves either. You know, he had the figure four, the chest chop, or the flare chop. 
you know, he did a lot of punching and that kind of stuff. Uh, he had the one move, which I don't know if he ever in any match ever, you know, actually performed where he'd go up to the top rope because then the guy would get up and then he'd do the little flip off the top rope. Um, you know, maybe he'd do a body slam or, you know, a clothesline, but it wasn't like, you know, Ric Flair's out there doing drop kicks and hurricane runners or coming off the rope with an elbow or whatnot. So it's just funny how people would say, oh, Hogan's, you know, all he had was a leg drop and then, you know, some other basic moves. Like, a lot of the great wrestlers of all, of all time, like, didn't really, you know, you had the hitman Bret Hart, who, had, who they used to have, one of his nicknames was the Excellence of Execution. Um, but, you know, it's usually the, the top wrestlers don't really have, like, a ton of, you know, what you would call technical wrestling moves. You know, they're basically punches and kicks and suplexes and whatnot. Um, so I'll move to, and the other two on my Mount Rushmore, like Rock and Austin, obviously that's more of a modern, uh, modern wrestlers. The Rock, you know, obviously is probably the, the most famous person on the planet right now. I know he has the most social media followers of anybody by like a long shot. I think it's like 24 million or 30 million or something ridiculous. Maybe even a hundred. I can't remember. Um, you know, when he came to fame becoming a wrestler how he's even got his own tv show tv show which is pretty cool the young rock um but second generation wrestler you know is uh he went to the university of miami played football and his football career didn't work out he was in the cfl and then got cut in the cfl and then decided well my dad was a wrestler and i've been around it my entire life so why don't i just become a wrestler um his original name was Rocky Maivia, because that was his grandfather's name, uh, Maivia, actually was High Chief uh, Peter Maivia, and, you know, for like a minute, people kind of liked him, but then his character was just kind of so nice guy and hokey that they started booing him, um, and then, uh, I think the crowd started chanting, Rocky sucks, or Rocky sucks, Rocky sucks, and even one time, they might have been shortly after, they said, die, Rocky, die, and, so that, you know, they took that, and sometimes you can be, you know, fade away and take that and be like, oh man, what the hell am I going to do? But The Rock, to his credit, took that and decided to become, you know, his heel character, which eventually joined the Nation of Domination as The Rock, where, you know, he's pretty much telling people, like, he's chanted, die, Rocky, die, you know, you all suck, I'm better than you, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that got him over real well with the crowd, they hated him pretty bad, and then they, he turned, uh, he turned face, and then from that, that point on is where, you know, as he said, he became the people's champ. That's one of his nicknames. And, you know, the rest is history. Um, probably one of the, probably the best, one of, if not the best people on the mic. Uh, cause he's just naturally a funny guy. You know, he, he'd always come out and cut promos and pretty much shred people on the mic, especially if, if you're going to go out on the mic with a rock, you better be able to, uh, to talk. Um, cause you know, someone like, Brock Lesnar was around more back then, uh, which is why Brock Lesnar usually always had a manager because he's not good on the mic. So it's, it's like, oh, just keep Brock quiet and have Paul Heyman come out and talk his smack for him. Um, one of the funniest promos ever you can uh, you can Google and look it up is when The Rock cut a promo on Billy Gunn. Uh, Billy Gunn had just one King of the Ring. Rock was what they would call a mid card. He wasn't quite up to the top yet, and he came out and did this little prayer where he was like, I know, you come down on your knees every night and you pray to God. I'm like, hey, God, dear God, my name's Billy. 
and I just won King of the Ring. But everyone knows I still absolutely suck. Um, and then, and then he's like, and I know you were laying there in your bedroom on your, you know, on your knees, and the you heard thunder and the skies themselves uh, opened up, and then God Himself said to you, like. Hey, Bob, but my name is Billy. It doesn't matter what your name is. Yeah, it's pretending to be God. And it was just so funny. You should Google it and watch it. Just Actually, if you just Google, like, Rock's Funniest Moments, like, so many times when he was working with someone, you could tell a lot of his stuff came off the off the cuff, off his brain, and was pretty damn funny. Uh, Chris Jericho was the same way. There was a segment with The Rock, uh, Chris Jericho, and Stephanie McMahon, and Booker T. That was really funny. Uh... He's like, The Rock was talking to Booker T, and he said, you know, I could see you at school. He's like, we know you came on that little uh, short yellow bus, which probably wouldn't go over well today. But it was an attitude there, like, meet me. And he's like, here's Booker T in the classroom. And the teacher says, Booker T, what's two plus two? And Booker T responded, oh, I know what that is, teacher. Two plus two equals Thomas Jefferson, sucker. Um, that was one of The Rock's, or not The Rock's, uh, sorry, uh, Booker T's, Things was he always had everything was saying sucker because uh, well except for the one, except for the one pr- uh, promo for the one uh, WCW uh, pay per view where I believe as the winner at the end got a match with Hulk Hogan for the title and he forgot what he was saying because if you watch the video on that one he drops the N word he's like Hulk Hogan we're coming to get you and then drops the N word uh, and you can tell his brother and Sensational Series in the background they just kind of put their hands over their face because they're trying not to. You know, laugh because they realize that he didn't say sucka. Um, but yeah, The Rock's always been really good on the mic, and he's a pretty good wrestler too. Uh, probably one of the him and I would say Razor Ramon or Scott Hall were probably the best at selling a move. Now, when they say selling a move, that's like you know, someone gives you the finisher. How do you re- do? You react? Do you just take it, kind of, eh, and but you know, fall down? If you ever watch The Rock take a Stone Cold Stunner, man, he really flings himself back, or like an R- uh, RKO or when he was wrestling called the diamond cutter you know it's just how do you sell it when someone starts hitting you like is your reaction like kind of stiff or can you like really you know it's hard to describe when you're just talking but you know if you watch a match people that know wrestling know what i mean like you know how is he selling those punches he's selling it not what they call no selling or like oh these punches have no effect or is he selling it when he gets hit a couple times he's like oh you know i guess is he good at stumbling around and wobbling or whatnot um and then we'll go to probably a lot of people's favorite wrestler. Finish out my Mount, my Mount Rushmore. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, probably most people, and even people that haven't wrestled, know who Stone Cold is. Originally, when he was in WCW, he was uh, stunning uh, Steve Williams. And wasn't really over that much with the crowd. He hadn't really kind of uh, developed that character um, too much. And... And he, they, WCW fired him. Um, Eric Bischoff over the phone. That was a big thing for a long time. And he, uh, so then he went to the WWE and then, uh, what do they call him? The, he was the million dollar champion for a little bit. They put him with Ted DiBiase. Um, and then they realized that kind of was working a little bit. I mean, he was a good wrestler. He had to look, but I don't know. It's the crowd wasn't 100% into him. And then, from the story I've I've heard quite a few times, like they sent him home and he's talking with his wife, and who was British at the time, and he was drinking coffee and they're talking. He's like, oh, I'm not sure what to do, 
And then his wife looks and says, hey, why don't you drink that coffee before it gets stone cold? And then he was like, wait, stone cold? Stone cold Steve Austin. And it was at the King of the Ring pay-per-view where he was facing, he ended up in the finals facing Jake the Snake Roberts, um, who had made a comeback because Jake the Snake Roberts had a lot of uh, emotional demons and he was... uh, He's always had he's had addiction problems for a long time, but you know he made a comeback and he was always you know one of the he's another one who's one of the really good on the mic. He talked about you know he was quoting psalms and proverbs. It was kind of like a you know southern preacher type character he was working on. And then after the match, um, the famous famous words when Austin was like, "Oh, you can stay, you know, get that piece of crap out of my ring." You can uh, you could stand there and you can thump your Bible and you can quote your Psalms and your Proverbs and that's what he said. Well, Austin three sixteen says I just whipped your ass and then that that thing blew up probably more than any catchphrase ever. Um, then you saw the Austin three sixteen signs. You had the Austin three sixteen you know T-shirts. Um, he's always probably he's probably had some of the cur- coolest merch of any wrestler because they have like the Stone Cold Steve Austin little skull on there and then he had, when he was a ti- had the title for a while they had the smoking skull titles where they had a picture of the skull on the front head and smoke coming out the eyes uh that was that was probably uh one of the coolest title belts ever maybe one day i'll own one who knows um but yeah so like he he brought the anti-hero uh character in the the 90s or the attitude era like to the forefront where you know you can actually be doing what a normal back in the day a heel would do but then the crowd's gonna cheer you because most people you know don't like their boss so that was a big thing it was like if you know if you got to go out beat your boss up drink some beers on top over, over him and you know just got people over with that that kind of a, a character something Bret Hart struggled with a lot I won't lie I'm not a huge fan of Bret Hart um I'm not saying he wasn't a good wrestler it was just his he, he never really appealed to me that much but yeah I mean everyone's had a boss that can't stand mine would have been Tom Bishop from Chi Chi's like hell if I could have given him a stone cold stunner beat the crap out of him and drink a beer in celebration that would have been awesome so that's what stone cold that's kind of when the anti-hero got over big where you don't have to be you know like I said say your prayers and eat your vitamins to be a good guy you can say hey DTA don't trust anybody you know Austin 316 says I whipped your ass and I'm about to kick your ass in this ring and drink a beer um, even Hulk Hogan said that, man, I wish I could have had that character to be able to beat your boss up and then drink beer. Um, that's awesome. But, uh, yes, yeah, so that's my Mount Rushmore. Um, some people might feel differently, you know, I mean, I, some people might put Cena on theirs. Like, I mean, I can agree. Cena had, was good for a long time, but then again, a lot of that heads into how they, they booked the match. You know, he was booked or, um, they scripted for him to win a lot of big matches. Um, now he was very popular. He sold a ton of merch with the kids. Um, but like I said, like with him and Bret Hart, uh, not a huge, not, not a too huge a fan of those. Although my, my daughter did like John Cena. Um, she would get mad. She got mad when he would pop up and I'd be like, John Cena sucks. John Cena sucks. But, uh, wrestlers, I, oh, here's another, uh, wrestlers I've met in real life. Um, the first wrestler I ever actually met and talked to well, she didn't talk, actually. He just grunted. Um, when I was 18, I worked at LB's Big Boy, uh, which is Doc Holiday's now, up on highway. And wrestlers would come in there all the time, stopping and eat on the highway on the way through for the matches for Erie. Um, 
because they wouldn't fly into the Erie Airport. Maybe they'd fly into Pittsburgh, and then they'd drive, run a car and drive here, and then drive back to Pittsburgh to fly out. Um, was the, like I said, was the ultimate warrior. I was helping. I was only a busboy, and I was just starting to, make, to learn how to click there. And I remember the manager was, like, by himself because the click had to go home. So he's like, hey, can you come in here and help me out? So I'm helping him out, just, you know, get the food out. And then this dude walks in wearing a fur coat and has all these gold chains, like, yeah, it'll have been 88 or 89. And obviously, you recognize someone, even if he doesn't have his makeup on, you recognize someone like the size and the stature of the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, you look, and he had the feathered hair, <coughs> and he had this, uh, he's wearing like this fur coat. And I looked at, I looked at him, and I looked at the manager, because he, he followed wrestling too, Harold, I can't remember his last name. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, that's the Ultimate Warrior. He's like, no way. I'm like, come on, dude, who, who else is 6'4 and like 275 and all roided out? And he's like, oh, so once we got the rush done, I'm like, I was a bus boy. So I'm like, oh, let me go bust the tables because the table next to his needed bust. So I take my bus tub, I start clearing it, put it on the table, start clearing it. And he was done eating. He ate like, I don't even know, it must have been like 5,000 calories. He had two turkey pitas, um, two, two, turkey, uh, two chicken stir fries, two vegetable stir fries, the salad bar, a couple other things like he had a ton of food, but obviously he was probably going to work out or something. Maybe it was after workout. And he's got this uh, attractive blonde with him. But And I went up as humble and as uh, nice as I could be and be like, hey, uh, hey, Ultimate Warrior. I was like, I know you could probably get bugged in public all the time, but I just want to say, you know, I just want to let you know I was a fan. And then he's got a toothpick and he's toothpicking his teeth and he looks at me and does a, does a little snort. And he's like, leave me the fuck alone. I'm trying to eat. And I was like, oh okay and especially me and my younger years being the smart ass I was I was like eh, that's all right I was like Hogan's better anyway I grabbed my bus tub and walked away um which is funny because there are a lot of times where you know when he wasn't wrestling and he you know being interviewed maybe it was a trade show or whatever and he would just say what a piece of crap Hogan was and what a piece of crap this guy was and he's so much better than everybody and you know they say never they always say never speak ill of the dead but yeah, he was a complete asshole to me and one other person that approached him there. Um, which I understand you're, when you're a public figure and you're famous like that, like maybe not going to Erie, you know, you want to be left, you know, you want to be left alone. But both, both me and this other person approached him very kind, very, you know, humbly just to say, hey, I want, I didn't even ask him for an autograph. You know what I mean? Not trying to get money or anything like that. And then his response was to tell me to fuck off. So I was like, alrighty. Um, then later that night, the next person, people I met, uh, Hillbilly Jim and Big John Stud came in. Um, I was actually, for whatever reason, I think the, the closer called off, so I said I'd work until close. And they were about to tell down in the salad bar, and they're like, oh, these two big guys are going to the salad bar. And the one uh, waitress I worked with back then, her name was Terry. She's like, hey, you're never going to guess who's at the salad bar. And I was like, who? And she's like, I'm pretty sure it's Hillbilly Jim and Big John Stud. You know, because uh, they're both like 6'9", somewhere between 6'8 and 6'10". Um, and uh, <clears throat> well over 300 pounds so I was like eh okay so I ended up going out and I was like well that is that but since how the warrior reacted I wasn't going to go up to them and she was like no she's like I, I'm, I'm waiting on them like they're really actually super nice even though at that time they were in a, in a program together where Big John Stud was the heel and Hillbilly Jim was the face um, so I was just like eh, I don't want to go out there so I go out there to <clears throat> she asked me she's like oh can you bust a couple of my tables for me I was like alright so Big John Stud just gives me this like menacing look and <clears throat> fingers me, fingers, <laughs> fingers, and hey, come over here, come over here, kid. I was like, okay. So he's like, sit down. And I'm like, well, <clears throat> I'm kind of busy working. And he's like, 
look at the size of us. You think your manager's going to argue with us? I was like, good point. So I sat down and was like, oh, I heard you really like wrestling. And, you know, you had an audition before. So I just sat down and they were, they were really cool to say, you know, uh, you know, just go to a wrestling school. If it's something you want to do, you know, uh, that's something obviously we love to do. And, you know, they were just really cool, like talking to me about wrestling. And, you know, I talked, studied a little bit about <clears throat> wrestling with Andre the Giant and, um, both really down to earth, cool dudes, which the ultimate warrior was not. So that's really the only, um, well, and that's not true. Uh, another wrestler, Scott Hall, <coughs> PW had an event before the pandemic <clears throat> where Scott Hall came here. I brought in my fantasy football championship belt, which looks like a wrestling title belt and had him sign it. Um, he was, uh, Scott Hall was really cool too. Cause, uh, he asked me, he's like, cause you, you know, you, you pay for an autograph and you know, it's only one autograph. And I asked him, I was like, Oh, Hey, he's like, who do you want me to sign it to? And since my character that I was using at that time as the, you know, NPWR was Tommy two times, like Tommy two times. Oh, it's like, that's, you know, that's my favorite movie. Good fellas is Razor Ramon or Scott Hall's favorite movie. Um, you know, I was like, yeah, I know. I was like, he's like, anytime I want, it comes on, no matter where it's at in the movie, I always got to watch it through. I was like, Oh, me too. And then he went on to say, you know, that character in the, in the movie, like, cause he got moved because he, he ratted on everyone. Like everywhere he went, he ended up getting in trouble cause he couldn't help not try and be a gangster wherever he was. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. And then, you know, we just, you know, I was like, oh, you're one of the, you know, coolest wrestlers, you know, and did the Hey Yo and the survey and he appreciated it. And then like, I only paid for one, uh, autograph. And then he's like, he autographed the belt and he's like, here, and he grabbed a picture and he signed that one, um, to Tommy two times as well. So. Uh, really cool guy, uh, really nice. You know, they came out later tonight and did the hey yo, um, and then you know it was a very quick appearance. But yeah, he was really. That's another one I've met uh, personally. Uh, the first wrestling match I ever went to was at the Civic Center. I, was, I think it was ninety or ninety one. Uh, one of my guys who was training me to cook uh, couldn't go for that reason, but the main event was uh, Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper versus Ric Flair and Sid uh, Justice. And that was cool. I mean, that's for at least I did get to see Hogan wrestle live once, and we were kind of near the ring, and I almost got to touch Hulk Hogan because he got he was getting thrown against the ring, and I think uh, Ric Flair was chopping him. I wanted to be like, oh, I just want to be able to touch Hulk Hogan. But yeah, so um, that's kind of my intro to wrestling, and then my my Mount Rushmore. Um, my next wrestling wrestling segment, thanks to uh, one of my buddies, Shane Klein or Shane O'Mac, will be greatest wrestling rivalries. Uh, when I post this episode, you can comment if there's anyone you want me to talk about. But as you can see, I'm going on 40 minutes talking about this because this is something I could just talk about all day. A lot of memories. Um, but uh, on to the next segment. So uh, like I said, all I want you guys to do is uh, listen in and uh, become a... Damn it. All I want you guys to do is uh, tune in and listen up. So on to the ne- on to the next segment. Thanks, everyone.